0: Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. Man, it is just so good to be together as a family and have that moment to connect. And I'm really excited because I am joined by our new Teams director, Ms. Kristen Arp, <laughs> And Ellie is with her. And Ellie's up here representing the rest of the family. Emery, Ezra, and Corey are all upstairs serving because serving in Jesus's public church is not something Kristen does, it's something the ARPs do. So thank you, Ellie, for serving at the nine. Can we give it up for Ellie serving at the nine? Yes, and I am with Miss Mariah Hollyfield, our interim public kids director! Now, if you know Mariah, she's phenomenal, and you may be like, "Uh, excuse me, I have a question. Why do we have an interim tag in front of that? That's because Mariah just graduated with her master's in holistic child development. She's really smart. Um, and she may have some opportunities beyond Cleveland in January of 2022. So we just want to be open-handed with Mariah. She's a gift to public church. we open-handed with her. We know she's here at the end of the year. But if Jesus keeps her here, yay. If Jesus sends her out, yay. We will celebrate that because we're for you, Mariah so i'm really excited about these ladies stepping into these roles so could you guys just both share a little bit of your vision for teams and for public kids sure so with public teams um, honestly it's just really an opportunity a space for people to come to develop the skills the gifts that god has already given you and so we really love the idea of working together and sharpening each other in this process and so uh, honestly we just we're passionate about getting people plugged in where they're passionate yeah that's that's our main thing i love that Um, For public kids, we really want to give um, and create an environment where kids can come in and learn about Jesus and his word um, and also come alongside parents and equipping them to be the primary discipleship makers um, in their households Uh, and then giving an opportunity for people like me, for people like Ellie and any of y'all to come alongside of our families and serve them. I love it. And I just want you guys to know, like, I believe you both are perfect for these roles. Kristen, just your heart to see that, like, This is practice. Everybody's serving today. They're getting practice to develop their gifts so they can serve off campus in their everyday lives. And Mariah, Whitney and I have seen how you love our boys. And to think about you just empowering a team to love children like that. I've seen both of your passions for coming alongside parents. So for you guys in these roles, like I'm fired up. And if you don't know Chris and Mariah super well, we actually recorded a video that just shares more of their heart. It's on our YouTube page, which you can access through the QR code, okay, to connect this. So check that out but um, would you guys just join me? I just want to take a moment and pray over them as they step into these roles. So join me in prayer, please. Jesus, I thank you so much for the arps. I thank you for Corey and Kristen and Ellie and Emery um, and Ezra, and I thank you for the ways that they serve, and I pray that this would be something that builds and strengthens their family, and I pray that you would just give them everything they need in this, make sure that they have that that family time that matters more than, than all the other things that come with it, and also just provide everything that Kristen needs, the vision, the ability to implement, the teammates, provide all of that. And Jesus, I pray that you'd be with Mariah as she's transitioning from being a student for a long time into this new stage of life. Would you give her wisdom about how to manage her time? And would you show her how to make sure that she's being refueled so then she can pour out from a full heart? And I pray that you would provide all that she needs as she leads our teammates to serve our kids. So we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Can we honor them one more time? Awesome. So what a great day so far. Just Really excited that we can all be together. And I just want to start and ask a question. And the question is this. Have you ever been, like, emotionally excited about something? It's something that you know you need to do. You're emotionally connected to the why. But then when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, you don't actually follow through. Uh, My name's Todd, and I struggle with this, okay? Um, I struggle with this, and and I'm going to just let my wife in here with me, Whitney. By the way, it's Whitney's birthday. Can we just say happy birthday to her? And it's my mom's birthday yesterday. She's watching online. So can we just, yes. Birthdays in my family in July. Just love July. But here's the way uh, one of the many ways that Whitney and I struggle with this is, you know, we sometimes have this idea that when our boys go to bed, now we've got Liam three and a half, Oliver is almost two, and we're like, when we put them to bed, we're going to work on this household project. And we know why, and we're excited about it. And then we put them to bed, and our enthusiasm becomes, we're going to work on this household project tomorrow night. Any any parents with me? And then it's like, and then next week, and then months, and if anybody wants to help because we still haven't done it, see me afterwards. You know, maybe if you're an athlete or a coach, you can relate to this too. Like when your season ends, there is immense clarity about how you need to get better. Because the reality is only one team ends their season winning, everybody else loses, and so that, that last loss provides some clarity about how you need to get better. The problem is, about four months into the off-season, like now, when all your friends are going out and wakeboarding, and you know you need to go to workouts, or you need to watch film, it's like, I have lost my emotional connection to the weight room, and I have lots of emotional connection to an inner tube on the water, and a boat, and just sunshine, you know? And the thing is, this is just human nature. Sometimes we know what we need to do, we're even emotionally connected to the why, and yet we struggle to do it. This is true in every area of our life, including how we embrace the journey of following Jesus, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we dive in, just to catch us up, if this is your first time or if you've missed a few weeks, we're continuing a series called A Blueprint for Living. We are reading through and discussing a letter that Paul wrote called Colossians. Paul was a phenomenal leader in the early church. He wrote about half the New Testament. And we're not just talking about Colossians. We're actually, our team has provided a Bible study. So all of us can read through Colossians on our own, whether or not we follow Jesus. And I think you guys are catching on. How could you access that Bible study? By the QR QR code. code. You guys are so smart. It will take you to our app where the Bible study is. And here's why this matters. If you don't follow Jesus, we don't just want you to take our word for it. We want you to explore Jesus yourself. And for all of us who do follow Jesus, if we're not in the word, it's impossible to follow Jesus for the long haul. I mean, if the goal is to follow him and be like him, well, we actually have to know what he's like. And we learn that by diving into the word of God. So we've been reading through this, and, and the title is A Blueprint for Living, which could lead you to think that Colossians is the blueprint. What we've been seeing is that Jesus is our blueprint for living. And before we have our conversation today, I just want to invite you to come back next week. Because next week, I'm going to be joined by Steve and Kelly Knapp, their leaders in our church, their counselors in our community. And we're going to be talking about mental and emotional health. And, and, and hear this Jesus cares about our mental and emotional health. And over the past year and a half, we have been slammed in every possible way, it feels like at least, and maybe that's even true, um, when it comes to these two areas. So we're going to talk about that next week. The church has to be in this conversation, and we're going to see that Jesus cares about it. So please come back next week, tune in next week for that. But to launch today, we're going to start where we start every week, which is Colossians 2, 6, and 7. So if you have your Bible or Bible app and you want to go there... We launch off this every week because it, it functions as a summary statement in this letter called Colossians, that Paul builds up to it, and then he builds off of it. And a challenge is that all of us would memorize this as we are walking through it. So it's going to be on the screen, and I'd love for us just to read it together. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, ready, go. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So as we think about what it means for our roots to grow down into Jesus, we want to talk about two specific areas where often we know what we need to do. We're even emotionally connected to the why we need to do it. Yet when the rubber meets the road, it's hard for us to follow through. Those two specific areas are prayer and talking to people who don't follow Jesus about Jesus. These are two struggles. So if you don't follow Jesus, look, this is a universal struggle that we just have in general, and it shows up in different areas of our lives. But as we talk about these two areas that almost every single Jesus follower struggles with on some level, I hope that those of you who don't yet follow him will have any idea that you have to be perfect to follow Jesus stripped away. I hope that you see that embracing the journey of following Jesus is a journey of progression, not perfection. Because none of us have it together, you're gonna to see that very clearly today. And Jesus followers, you know, the whole Jesus follower thing means that we make Jesus our pattern, right? And so we make him our pattern, and Luke, who wrote basically a research paper about Jesus' life, tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Yet we struggle to do that, don't we? It's one thing to know that Jesus prayed and we should pray, but often it's hard for us to implement that when we walk out of this room or tune off this broadcast. And when it comes to talking to people who don't follow Jesus about Jesus, Jesus is our pattern there too. One of his names was he was called the friend of sinners. Andy Stanley says it well, that people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus and he liked them back. Can that be said of us? Are we spending time with people who don't yet follow Jesus in order to point them to life change that is found only in Jesus? It's really easy for us to get emotionally connected to why that matters in this space as you're watching this. And it's really difficult to walk out of here and do that on Wednesday afternoon when the opportunity presents itself. So, we just want to lean into that because in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, Paul's going to speak very practically about when the rubber meets the road, here's how we can actually pray and tell people about Jesus. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul writes this Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So, first off, he says, Devote yourselves. This reminds me of Romans 12 12. See, as a summer culture experiment for our church, early in the summer to kick it off, we said, man, let's live Romans 12, 9 through 21 for the summer. So Romans 12, 12, part of something that we're trying to live through the power of the Spirit on us, says rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So you put that together, be constant in prayer, and what Paul writes here, he wrote both of these, what Paul writes here, devote yourselves to prayer, the question becomes Are we people who are devoted to prayer? Are we people who are constantly, or at least consistently, praying? And as we think about this idea of devotion in the Greek, it literally means that we'd be people who pray in the midst of difficulty. That when it feels like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, that we keep praying anyway. That we have a never giving up prayer life. Is that us? It's easy for us to, to hear that, but it's hard to do it. So Paul's going to give us a little more handles. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be devoted to it. And then he says this, with an alert mind. So that, As we make prayer a priority, well, let's make sure that our mind is alert. And as I was going through my soap journey, which is the method we've used to walk through Colossians, on June 30th, this verse stuck out with me. And, and what happened is the Holy Spirit really connected this verse where jesus says be alert with prayer to something jesus told his disciples in matthew chapter 26 in the garden this is right before jesus is about to be crucified and he has some questions for his father and his father welcomes those questions and so he has some questions for his father and and he uses the same word that's alert here he says hey be alert or watch but all his disciples fall asleep If you haven't read the story, it's kind of funny. I mean, Jesus is like, could you guys just pray with me? And they fall asleep. Can somebody pray with me? And they fall asleep. I mean, it's also tragic because everything's about to fall apart. And and here's the question that it made me think. Does prayer increase our vigilance and discernment against spiritual attacks? That was the question I wrote. And so my action that day was see prayer as a weapon against surprise. Put that in quotation marks because nothing surprises God, but it definitely surprises me. See, prayer is a weapon against surprise spiritual attacks. Because here Paul says, be alert. And in the garden, he says, be alert. Because they were about to get just, I mean, hit in every possible way. Jesus had told them, guys, I'm going to die. And they were like, no, you're not. There's no way you're going to die. And then he was literally about to go die. Like, their whole world was about to fall apart. And Jesus was giving them this moment to prepare for the spiritual attack. And they just fell asleep. So in our lives... Do we see prayer as a weapon? And so here was my prayer that day. Holy Spirit, as Whitney and I pray, please give us eyes to see spiritually what is happening. And I specifically ask that you give us special abilities to see an attack coming. That he would give us the discernment to know, okay, we're about to get hit, so let's get prepared. As I was processing this, I thought about Liam, who's tall, so now he can reach light switches, and you know, he's, the things he can reach, it's, it's growing. But suppose that Liam needed something, like he really needed it, and it was like up here. And and all he had to do was say, Dada, please help me. In our house, you have to say please. But Dada, please help me. I can lift him up and give him access to this thing he needs. But until he says, Dad, please help me, he doesn't have access to what he needs. And I wonder if sometimes in our prayer life, our Heavenly Father is saying, hey, you've been getting beat down spiritually, and I have access to what you need to start winning that battle you're going through, but you got to ask me, because you're never going to reach it on your own. But if we would just say, Heavenly Father, would you lift me up? Would you pick me up? Would you give me access to what I need? If we would just ask him through prayer that... He would gladly pick us up and give us everything we need to walk in victory. But are we asking Him? So devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind and with thanksgiving. That was in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. It's a theme that Paul weaves in throughout this letter. And I've been convicted because I realize that a lot of times I pray for something and God does something powerful. And then I'm like, so God, here's the next thing. Do I even stop? to say thank you. So as I finished my journey through Colossians, I've been reading through 1 Samuel, and this week I was reading where they set up an Ebenezer stone. It was an idea of the stone of help, and it reminded them how God had powerfully moved in the past. So it said every time they saw that stone, they would be reminded of God's power and how he came through. I started thinking in my own life, like, what does that look like? Because I don't really want to go, like, buy a big stone and, like, practically... <laughs> What's an Ebenezer in my life to to kind of force me to stop and say thank you? And so God reminded me of something I already do, just not consistently enough, which is journal. And he was like, hey, leverage your journal as an Ebenezer. Like when God moves in a powerful way, just take a few moments that day and just write down, here's what God did. And I've done that twice this week. And I can't wait till I can go back and actually look at that. So what is it in our lives that's gonna help us be devoted to prayer with an alert mind and to force us to pause and say thank you? So, So maybe it's this. Here's an action from the top. An action for how to practically do this in our everyday lives is to pick a time and a place daily. That if you don't have this, just simply pick a place and time daily where you say, this is my time to prayer. And you're like, how long? Totally up to you. Maybe it's 30 seconds to start off with. Maybe it's a minute, three minutes, five minutes. At the end of our talk, we're actually going to have some time, and we're going to pray through five things. So maybe you just write those five things down, and tomorrow, as you pick your time and place, you just pray through those five things so we can be devoted to prayer. And then Paul says this in chapter 3. He says, so here's what I want you to pray about. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. You know, all our kids get this awesome thing, our Roots Age children. You get Blueprint for Living, and you get to play bingo. Come on, some of the adults, you should play bingo. But if you guys open it up, this is the family's moment. And kids, here's what I want you to understand clearly. You have a role in Jesus' church. I want you to know that it's not just that your mama and dad have a role in Jesus' church. Like, you have a role in Jesus' church. And here's the family's moment. A huge part of your role in Jesus' church is praying for others. That matters All of us need your prayers, that you would be praying. This is a huge thing. And parents, the family's moment, the point is, take this home and have a discussion about this around the dinner table, and then maybe stop and pray for somebody. Like, you could just start by praying for Miss Mariah in her new role as interim public kids director. As she transitions out of being in school for a really long time, this life change, just, just pray that God would help her make that change well. And that's not just for our kids When's the last time you prayed for your public church family? I don't know anybody. Maybe you're new. Well, we have these awesome things called name tags. And so you could literally just pick a name tag of a teammate as you're walking in and be like, okay, this week I see Jeff's name tag. I'm going to pray for Jeff. I don't know Jeff. Hopefully I'll meet him next week, but I'm just going to be praying for Jeff. I mean, it can be that simple. So we can pray for Jesus's public church. And he says, pray for something specific. Pray for, in the ESV and NIV, an open door for the gospel. He says pray for an open door for the gospel so we can talk about the mystery of Christ. Four different times in Colossians, Paul uses this this idea of mystery. And what he's doing is he's pointing us back to the fact that Jesus lives in us. As we think about being devoted to prayer, as we think about talking to people about Jesus, it's not our strength, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, lives in us. That we have resurrection power inside of us. That's the mystery. And so we step into this knowing that the Holy Spirit is empowering us. And so he says, pray that there would be an open door for the gospel. That literally a door would open so that the good news that Jesus died for all of us who are sinners. All of us who are disconnected to God and can do nothing to connect to God on our own, Jesus did everything we couldn't do when he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, conquering death and conquering sin. Pray that the door would open so this message, this life, eternity-altering message could come to people. And I've been convicted because I pray consistently and I pray hard for my friends who don't follow Jesus. But I've not been praying for unreached people groups. And I've been convicted and started praying for that this week. I have slacked in that big time. That is it's praying for our friends who don't follow Jesus, but it's also recognizing that, man, it's a big world. And there's people who've literally never heard the name of Jesus. And we need to pray for them because here, here's what Paul understands. That Paul understands that he could write about half the New Testament, and he did. He could stand up and give all kinds of talks. He could have all kinds of conversations about Jesus. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't go before him, move through him, and go after him, his words are meaningless. The Holy Spirit has to open the door. We cannot open it. So are we praying consistently for people who don't follow Jesus? Are we praying that God would open doors and send people to unreached people groups? And Paul says, as we pray for that, pray this, verse 4, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as. As I should. Pray for clarity. And then he says in verse five, it seems like he makes a transition, but these are really connected. He says, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. So, first, it's like, we'll be talking about prayer, and all of a sudden you're talking about how we live and walk among people who don't follow Jesus. What's the connection? As we grow in our conversations with Jesus, we will grow in our conversations with people about Jesus. That's the connection Paul is making here. That as we grow in our conversations with Jesus, we will also grow in our conversations with people about Jesus. This is connected. Because if we just pray for people who don't follow Jesus, but we never tell them, we've missed it. And if we just go tell people about Jesus, but we don't ask the Holy Spirit to open doors, then we're just bumping up against a closed door and we've missed it. This is a both and. So Paul says, let's live wisely. When well, Colossians 2, 3, he tells us that Jesus is the source of wisdom. So what Paul's saying here is live like Jesus. He said live wisely. That means live like Jesus. Among those who don't follow Jesus, making the most of your time. That's what this means. So I've been convicted here. because I've done a really poor job lately of prioritizing time with my friends who don't follow Jesus. I've let other responsibilities crowd that out, and that's sin because Jesus spent time with people who don't follow Jesus. Remember, people who didn't like, people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus and he liked them back. If that's not being said of me, that is sin. And I'm not living out this verse. Because here's what Paul's saying. Hey, you're praying for me to share the gospel in chains, so go do in freedom what I'm doing in chains. So, you are know, you're, you're praying that I would be able to speak the gospel with clarity while I'm in prison, so you speak the gospel with clarity in your freedom. And any excuse we have of like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm kind of scared. I'm intimidated. Paul's like, I'm in prison for this people, okay? So if you get in prison, we can connect. Like, I can tell you how to navigate this thing, okay? I'm here right now. Like, anything that can happen to you, Paul's like, it has happened. It will be done to me. There are no excuses. We talk to people about Jesus. And then he tells us how. He says this in verse 6. He says, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response For everyone. And this is where your Doritos come in. Mmm, love some Doritos. See, this word attractive literally means seasoned with salt. Now, we're gonna have a quick survey. How many of you are correct and just make some noise in saying nacho cheese are the best Doritos? Make some noise? Okay, how many of you are wrong in saying that Cool Ranch is the best? You can make some noise. It's okay to be wrong, and that's just more nacho cheese for the rest of us. Okay, we're good with that. I don't know if I'm the only one who has this problem, but I cannot eat one bag of Doritos. Anybody with me? Like, like one bag is not enough. I'm already looking at empty chairs and be like, I can grab that one, and I, can, you know, it's just not enough. And and I, maybe I'm not the only person, but I know Whitney and I like have sat down to like watch a movie, and you've got like the big bag of Doritos, and then like been over yet, and we're like. What happened in this bag? And we're like, we're going to pay for this later. This is going to hurt. But man, you just, I mean, I just like can't stop eating Doritos. It's like I eat them and I want more and I want more and I want more. And here's what Paul says. That's how our interaction should be with people who don't follow Jesus. That people who are nothing like Jesus should like us and we should like them back. That when people who don't follow Jesus spend time with us, they shouldn't be repulsed. They should be attracted. They should be drawn in. Hey, I don't get what he's saying. I don't I believe everything that she thinks. But something about them, man, I just, I just want just to more. I just want to spend more time with them. How in the world does that happen? Well, Paul tells us, he said, really easy. Just have the right response all the time. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Just have the right response. You guys are just missed. Have a good day. You know. And I read that and I feel this pressure. Paul doesn't want us to feel the pressure because he's already pointed us to the mystery that Christ lives in us. The pressure's not on us. The pressure's on the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he already conquered death in the grave so he can surely conquer our fears of having a conversation with somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. And and if if he could kick death's butt, then he can surely give us the words to say when we're terrified and we don't know what to say. But, But how do we grow in that? We pray. So as we learn to listen to the Spirit more, then when we're in that conversation, we'll just continue to listen to the Spirit. So so it's not just us saying whatever we can think of or whatever we've been told. No, the Holy Spirit is saying, say this. Listen, don't say anything. Give them space. Like he's leading our every move so that our response can be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Paul's absolutely brilliant. I'm going to give you four verses to look up if you want to in Colossians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 and in Colossians chapter 4 verses 12 and 13 Paul introduces us at the beginning and end of his letter to a guy named Epaphras why does he do this because if we want to know what Colossians 4 2 through 6 looks like lived out let's just look at Epaphras you know who he was he was the one who took the gospel to the Colossians Like, he was from there, and he literally took the story of Jesus crucified and resurrected to them. They, like, followed Jesus because he told them. And then in chapter 4, Paul says, and you know what he's doing currently? He's not with you, but he is struggling. That word means he is in agony for you in prayer. Like, he is literally wrestling in prayer for you. So what does this look like lived out? and we wrestle in prayer for people. We devote ourselves to prayer with an alert mind, with thanksgiving. We pray for an open door to the gospel. And then when that door opens in our everyday lives, we walk through it and let the spirit lead us to listen and speak and respond in a grace and very Dorito-like manner. That's what Paul's asking us to do. So public worship is gonna come up. And as they're coming up, We're not going to talk about prayer without having space to pray. So we're going to have some time for us just simply to pray and spend time with Jesus. So this is really your moment. If you're at home, you can pretty much do whatever you want, walk around your yard, like whatever you need to do. And for those of us in the room, we want to give you that freedom too. If you want to get on your knees, get on your knees. If you just want to stay in your seat, if you want to journal, if you want to write some stuff in your phone, do that. If you need to stand up, do that we, we have a prayer corner in the back greg felty from our prayer team is back there john ogle's also on our prayer team callie is on our prayer team they would all love to walk back there and pray with you we had somebody go back there in the nine we'd love for you to walk back there and we have people who showed up today just to pray with you and, and as we spend this time in prayer i just remind you we're going to pray for five things maybe these are the five things that you pray for tomorrow with the time you've picked and the place you've picked Just begin to devote ourselves in prayer. And and if you don't follow Jesus, you may be like, what do I do? Maybe your prayer is just this. God, if you're real, speak. Because he is real, and he would love to speak to you. So maybe that's your prayer. So the first thing, these are going to be on the screen, and I'll just lead them through us, is silence. A lot of times when I go to pray, I start talking. Let's start by listening. So Spencer will pray. Let's not say anything. Let's just listen. Jesus, thank you that when we don't know what to say, you speak. And help us to create space for you to speak to us. So the next thing is just Thanksgiving. Let's practice it, let's just be grateful. Jesus, we have so much to be thankful for, most of all that you died and rose again. If we can't think of anything else, help us to always be grateful for that. And next is that we would just pray for open doors for the gospel, both in our sphere of influence and globally to unreached people groups. Spirit, go before us, move through us, and go after us both locally and globally. Two more things, just to pray for Jesus's public church. It's his, so let's pray for Jesus, the church is your idea. (laughs) We are yours. Make us the church you dreamed us to be. And the last slide is just blank. Just pray for whatever is on your heart. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of public church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting PUBLICCHURCH in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.